If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, runners only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runners only with Dom Harvey. Uh, fast paced, slow and steady, any way you coming. Uh, just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is runners only, yeah, yeah let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runners only with Dom Harvey. Uh, fast paced, slow and steady, any way you coming. Uh, just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, runners only with Dom Harvey. Runners only with Dom Harvey, and I'm currently in um, South Auckland in the what is it? The spine, the spinal unit, spinal rehab unit, Auckland yeah. Auckland Spinal Rehabilitation Unit. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. With um, a couple of legends of the running community in New Zealand, uh, Ali Pottinger and Kerry Suter. Good morning. Hey, Dom. Hi, everyone. So so good to be sitting here with you guys. Um, you know, the last couple of years, I think, have been a dumpster fire for most people in New Zealand. But it's fair to say, it's hard to imagine how 2022 could be more of a fuck-up of a year for anyone than what it's been for you guys. And it's also hard to imagine that anyone else could be as positive and resilient and um, smile through the shit they've been through this year. Like yeah, you, you, you guys are simply inspirational, both of you. Thanks, Tom. Um yeah, it's sort of a you know give and take year for us, isn't it? You know, obviously the the, the news of the accident. You know, uh, I managed to fall off my bike and uh, break my neck a couple of months ago, and um, it's pretty permanent. It's pretty bad. Um, so I spent a life in a chair, which is you know pretty tough. But um, some good news too, eh? Yeah. So um, when Kerry had his accident, I was seven and a half weeks pregnant after six years of trying. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster year for us so far, and I guess it'll continue that way. Oh, congratulations! Oh, <laughs> oh so, so you're pregnant? Yeah, I love Dom's face right now. Oh. <laughs> so I found out just before the accident, and I topped it off by uh, <laughs> <laughs> a half a year. I say oh, yeah. he went to great lengths to get out of changing nappies, Dom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so so the accident was on um twenty sixth of Feb. Yeah, twenty six yeah, yeah. Now, I'm um, I'm a fan of yours. I follow you on Strava. Give an indication of the sort of guy you are. So, a week before the accident on Strava, you can see you you had like a seventeen hour run, sixty kilometers, uh, up up and down a few mountains. But I arrived at this point where actually what I enjoyed doing was just getting out there and having these experiences, with mates, and going places. And um, one of the you know, weirdly the last thing on my bucket list that I wanted to do uh, was that I wanted to go and tick off the three volcanoes in Tongariro National Park in one push. Uh, so I just went down there on a Friday with a mate and um, ran up Ropihu and um, then down to the Chateau and across to Tongariro and up Naurahoi and then back to where we started at Kino and closed out the loop in 17 hours. This sort of stuff you just, you know, me and my mates would do on a, on a sort of a, a summer's mission. That's such a cool thing to do. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, fun. Yeah, long, long day. Uh, yeah, 
I've had some long days. I've done some 30-hour missions before. and um, See, this is the thing for me with um, spinal injuries like the one you've got. I think it would be a massive adjustment and it would be a hard thing to cope with and deal with for anybody. But when you're someone like yourself or Brad Smaler, who was a wakeboarder that I had on the podcast a couple of months ago, I reckon it's, it's got to be even, even tougher in the respect that here you are. You, you're, you, you're pushing your body to the limit. You're using it as it's um, supposed to be used. You've really bookended physiology, haven't I? I've gone from a point where, um, uh, you know, incredible fitness, you know, like resting heart rate of 37 and, you know, just, and you can just go out for a weekend run for 17 hours if that's what you want to do. And now I'm at a point where I've got no legs and, you know, I can't, I can barely move my arms and, you know, I've lost, it's not going to get any better. I've got no movement or sense, you know, below sort of my armpits. So, um, uh, you know, it's like you couldn't, it couldn't possibly be a different, a further, mm. you know, a more different life for me. But, um, you know, I've got, I've still carry that attitude forward, you know, like the, the same the same things that uh, that drove me to be, you know, like a, a good athlete or, you know, a great coach was, uh, you know, they still exist inside me. I fell on my head, but none of my brains fell out, you know, mm. I'm still, still the same person. So, um <laughs> I've got to have the same motivation, yeah, the same you yeah. know, outlook on life. If I was in your position, I, I think I'd, I'd be in a state of denial for weeks, months, e- e- even years, which would not be a great place to be or a healthy place to be. But you, you sort of seem to accept it straight away and accept it with quite good humour. Um, the, the key things are acceptance and gratitude. I think you've got to accept where where you are. And you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, you really have to. You know, you, once you, once you realise that um, perhaps there's a way out of there and that you can still be... You can still be the main person that you, you were before. You know, what defined me, I think, was, uh, you know, not uh, not my legs or, um, you know, people don't love you for your legs. They love you for who you are. Um, and so, uh, so I was still that person, and I realised very early on that I could still be a running coach and I can still help people. And I, I just love helping people, and that's what we've been able to do. That's my way out of there. That was a light at the end of the tunnel, even when in the darkest moments. I remember even then, you know, I hadn't... A conversation with a, an ICU doctor about whether I was a candidate for assisted suicide. You know, you, you swing both ways with it. Um, well, it's very, very hard to, to. At that point, I was a head on a pillow. You know, you can't move. You can't move anything. Even now, I can't. You know, move in bed or roll over or do anything. But um, you know, you, you wonder whether it's worth going on. But you know, uh, at the same time, you've got so much to live for. You know, I've I've got two girls and you know, maybe one more on the way. Hopefully, <laughs> one more on the way. Yeah. But I think that's. That's been a, a tricky thing as well because when you're in that position, you don't see the way forward. Like you, you're just in that moment, and so that's what you think it is. But uh, there was a really good turning point, probably maybe three weeks ago, when we met um, Gareth Lynch, who's a wheel black Paralympian, and uh, we went over to the gym. They train in the gym just over there, and Kerry uh, said to Gaz you know, like, do you still have hard days? Because Gaz is now five years down the track from his injury. And Gaz was just like this, he's just like beaming. He's just this radiant kind of enthusiastic guy. And he's like, nah, man, nah, not really, eh? And seeing people engaging with their community, laughing, having fun, you know, being active was really key for Kerry mentally, kind of going, okay, there's still stuff to aim towards. Mm. Yeah. Where does where does this come from? This this like relentless positivity. Um, I mean, it's such a good attitude. Yeah, well, my dad killed himself when I was very young, and uh, I think that sort of shapes who you are a lot. I think. Um, sorry. Um, 
Yeah, you just sort of realise that uh, you've got to start with loving yourself first, and once you're comfortable with who you are, um, then you can you've got the capacity to love others. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just highly motivated to uh, to get the best, best that I can out of my life, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, help others as well. Yeah. Oh, we're all getting a little bit emotional Stop here. That shit. <laughs> <laughs> Far out. I didn't think we were going to do this. Uh, ten I minutes in. Yeah, you guys um you guys are a hell of a couple. I'm guessing when when one of you is having a bad day or a, a negative moment, uh, the other one would step up to the plate and say, Come on, shake it off. Is that how it works with you two? Yeah, there's not a lot of bad days actually when we're together. Yeah. Um uh, and one of the event directors calls us sort the sapphire couple or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're just like always beaming and always great, you know, I think uh, we just we bounce off each other really well and uh, just yeah. a really good team. I think a good partner is an enabler, and I've been thinking about it more lately. And it's been it's tricky, right? Because Kerry's become disabled, and so how I can enable him in this situation, but also it's really important still to have fun and laugh and love. Mm. And so it's it's trying to bring that balance always to our relationship. Yeah, it always has been pretty good. I think you just. Uh in the time we've been together seven years, I think um, we've just really grown together really well. And, um, you know, like Squadron was born out of that, our running business, and um, and, it, and it's obviously grown as well along the way. But um, I think people are drawn to that positivity as well. And, um, you know, we're really quite committed to what we do. And uh, I've lost a little bit of the outlet, you know, like when you're having a bit of a, a rough day, Dom, you, you can go out for a run and you can sort of shake it out. Yeah. You know, it's a fix for problems, you know. Well, often it doesn't fix a problem, but you feel better about it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Just the endorphins and things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I've lost that ability. So, so you uh, haven't, because what's happening now is you're getting on the upper limb cycle. Doing what I can. And cycling yeah. it out. Or yeah, so, so what happened with the arms? Because um, I, I, I arrived here just before we started recording, and um, I, you know, I, I met you in your chair, and you, you gave me a fist pump, and I was really surprised. It was a, that was a, it was a great sign. So, so you, when you, after the accident, you got taken into hospital, and you had nothing from the neck down. Yeah, yeah. No, so no arms or anything. No, so the level of my injury I broke, so a C5. So they fuse C5 and C6 together in my spine. So if you're counting down the vertebrae from, from really the, the skull itself, I'm down, I'm down at sort of C5, which is my injury. Um, and so that means my spinal cord w- works down to C4. And C4 gives you shoulders um, and it gives me biceps, but really nothing else. So I can move my arms with my biceps only, but the unfortunate thing is I have no triceps. So my hands just collapse. I can't really raise my arms above my head or anything. So I can sort of flap my arms around like Kermit, um, and uh, and you remember Kermit, you know, if, you ever, did, if you ever watched him singing about rainbows, you'd think uh, he's not really playing that guitar, is he? So yeah, sort of a lot like Kermit, I think, in, in that regard, but uh, good to have that mobility, and again, when I say one of the things, acceptance and gratitude, I'm grateful for what I have, because if I'd broken um, my spine just one vertebrae up, I wouldn't even have my arms, so um, I'm very lucky to have that, so. It will let me do some hand cycling and uh, and various other sports, which will be good. So I'm looking forward to that um, in the years to come. Yeah, is it is it going to improve? Uh, no, I measure B, which is quite a bad uh, damage to the spinal column. The, the amount of the severity of that damage means that uh, there are, is not a lot of uh, connectivity beyond the point of injury. So you have sensation below your point of injury, but no motor control. Right, right. So I can feel a lot of yes, things. We'll uh, eggplant emoji. I, a lot of stuff still, <laughs> still, uh, still have a sensor. Um, oh, yeah. Have you got some... 
Uh, I don't worry about you brought it up. I can't, I can't, I can't move things below the point of injury. Right. But lots of things I have sensitivity in. So, right. So every day when I'm doing my bowel cares, um, yeah, I'm 100 percent uh, sensitive to uh, to those fingers that are in my bum. But uh, right. I don't have any ability to uh, to squeeze those fingers, unfortunately. Right. Bowel care. What's well, because obviously the, the damage is so bad to my body, um, they have to you know put suppositories in me each morning and. Oh, because you've got no core, so you can't you nothing, can't activate I've got no your trunk. Oh. I've got nothing, and it's not just the muscles; it's a nervous system as well. So, um, you know, the the, the 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 body is is it's in a real state there because it can't I can't tell that anything is wrong. You know, like a I don't even know if I'm hungry or full or anything. Did you want to talk about the accident and the day it happened, or not really? Oh, I just went out for a bike ride one yeah. morning and uh, went over the handlebars. Dom, have you been over the handlebars of your, your bike? I I I um I I live with so much fear. Um, I sort of ex- assess risk, so I would never oh, well attempt. Done. <laughs> well done. We shouldn't see so, you in here. I've right, um, just been a pussy my entire life. Like I'd, I'd go skateboarding with my friends, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, you know, do ollies down the steps. And so, so what was it? Can you explain the run or uh, it was the just a mountain bike ride? I just went for an ordinary bike ride, and I went off. A, I was, I was riding an illegal trail in the fucking forest. Um, like everything in my life, I'd. Uh, you know, try and level up, but always sort of pushing my ability a little bit. Um, and uh, so it's sort of progressing through mountain biking the last five years and, you know, trying harder things and biking a little bit harder. And um, I went off a feature that was probably about a metre and a half to two metres high and I uh, just didn't get enough front nose up and, uh, you know, landed you know hard on the front shock and just went over the handlebars and uh, landed on my head. And not a scratch on my helmet, not a scratch on the bike. My neck took it all and, uh, uh, yeah, just broke a vertebrae lying there looking up at the trees with mates, holding my hands and making the right phone calls. Um, and, uh, yeah, Ali had just, um, what was it, you had gone for a swim? Oh, I'd gone for a run around Tekitapu and, um, right, weirdly, right when Kerry had his accident, I kind of like, the morning sun was filtering through the trees and I just stopped and I was like, oh, it's just so beautiful and I was feeling so content with my life <laughs> and then got back and uh, got ready to get changed for an open water swim so I had my... Um, had Kerry's wetsuit half up my waist and then I got this phone call and I'd been actually not wanting him to ride that trail. Yeah, I think I read this in yeah. an article and stuff or somewhere. You had you said the day before you were going to do it and you, you just yeah. had a bad feeling about it. Oh, for, he'd, he'd wreckied it. He'd kind of gone and walked through the trail and had a look at it and I've run it before as well and I was just thinking, I just don't know about this. Um and so the week beforehand, Kerry was meant to fly out actually and do 10 days of running on the new ultra trail course in Kosciusko in Australia. And I just said to him, you know, you've got a lot of running coming up ahead this week. Just like just walk anything that you don't feel confident with. Um, yeah, I just didn't want him to ride it. And um, so, so then I got back ready for my swim, got this phone call and it was, Ali, Ali, I've had an accident. And I was going, you're joking. You're joking. I thought he was winding me up because I'd been kind of on his case a little bit about it, but also that's so, that's so funny, isn't it? Do you think that's like a like a, a wife's intuition thing, or I think there was intuition. Actually, had intuition as well, like because he'd kind of said, "Oh, I didn't really sleep the night before," and I was kind of I was thinking about in it. My head all night. Weird, and I thought that was about like, that particular jump. Yeah, I, th- and I thought it was just focus. Yeah. But if, if someone said to you, "There's the, okay, you can do this jump. There's a one percent chance that yeah. this accident's going to happen," would you have attempted it still? Oh, this is a funny one, Tom, because you know we spend a lot of time in this ward. 
you go over the accident a million times and mm. think about all of those sliding door moments. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, would you have done it or would you do it differently or, you know, would you have put it off or a different bike or a different setup or, or any of those sorts of things. And um, it leads to that bigger picture of, you know, should we take risks at all? And um, yeah. how do I feel about it now? I've got kids. Do I want them, you know, we have trampoline accidents in here, leap park accidents. We've got, you know, people, Kiwis just doing what Kiwis do. We have to do these things, mm. you know, like, I don't know that everyone has to bike off a two meter, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but risk is part of what we do, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to wrap the world up in cotton wool and I wouldn't live any differently. Yeah. I arrived at where I am at 44 because I took risks and I did stuff, you know. A week before I was on Uruapehu jumping over icy crevasses, you know, like mm. climbing down, you know, cliff faces with scrambling rock. My life is replete with incredibly dangerous, probably stupid things, but, <laughs> but, that, but that's experience, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what life is for. And I'm sorry if you're too shy to uh, to get the skateboard out. And, uh, <laughs> Tom, I think you're missing out on some stuff here, mate. I would take you for a run if I still could, I promise. We would go some places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. That's such a good attitude. Such a good one. Yeah. I've always said I feel like I've had enough experience in my short years to, um, you know, I lived as few men did to dream. You know, I did, I did so much that it doesn't worry me. Had I just lost my legs, it wouldn't be an issue, but take my hands, this is ridiculous. Mm. I can't use a keyboard or a mouse. You know, I can't even flip someone off. It's so frustrating. <laughs> you can't? You... I can't do anything. I can't move my hands at I all. I have to help him pick his nose. Because, like... because we're, we're, we're sitting here, just to set the scene, like you're sort of um, gesticulating, yes. you're like you're using your hands, but you can't, you can't pick your nose. No. I, I thought I saw you itching no, your face no. before scratching your face. I, be, I believe I have a fully functioning piece, penis, but I can't use it. <laughs> so like, um, it's frustrating. We have discussions in here. Would you rather, you know, yeah, have hands that fun? or penis? Hands That's or penis. That's one of the conversations yeah, we have. Yeah. Some guys have their hands and don't have any function in that area. Right. Yeah, what would you do? And then, like Kerry's, he's got sensation in his penis. This podcast is going his hands somewhere. Are to go. not functioning. Like right. He can't use his fingers. Oh, so you so you can still get an erection. Yes. Yeah. No. Right. So okay. So you, you can. So, sorry for fixating on this, and we will, we will move on. So, no. so, so you can get, get an erection, but you've, yes. got, you've got no feeling in it. So you... No, I have full feeling. Oh. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's no worries. But I just can't. I haven't got the hands for it. So oh, so you, you just can't. can't? No, manual override. All oh, right. <laughs> got it. No, yeah. Got it. Yeah, I can just look at it. So. <laughs> frustrating. Sorry, are, we, are people running to this? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh, no, it's inspirational. Okay, so, um, yeah, so it's... Far so, out. So, it's very personal information, Dom. What is... You brought it up. Oh, but more than once. But I yeah. think it's actually good. Like, we've been really open and candidly sharing whatever this is. And um, yeah. I, I think it's important because we had no idea about spinal cord injuries, what to expect No one, No one does. No. Kiwis should yeah. because they churn them out between Christchurch and here. There's usually one mountain bike accident at all times here. There's usually, you know, three or four motorbike accidents in here. There's car accidents. There's all sorts of tragic stories of just Kiwis going about their daily lives. So, yeah, and in the summer, lots of swimming accidents, like just so diving into the water at the beach and hitting a sandbank. Or oh, right, diving into shallow water. There yeah. were oh, swimming yeah. pools, yeah. you know. Watering holes, waterfalls, you name it. Kiwis love water. Mm. So um, where we are now, this has been your home for the since the accident happened, pretty much. Yeah. You, you get to go home um, in, a, in another few weeks. Um, what's that going to look like? Like, do you, do you have a caregiver provided I, for you? I have twenty four hour care, so right. um, that's the level of my injuries. A team of five will have round the clock 
here um, for me um, to the end of my days. Yeah, just catching up with everyone is really important, but you know, I really want to get back to my job. You know, like I can't, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. can't use a keyboard and mouse, but I can still use a laptop with um, a voice activation software, so um, dictation software. So you know, the, the inbox is filling up as it always does, and uh, there's athletes that need support for various races. You know, the, the sun keeps rising, and events are hosted. So um, we really just, I just want to get back to coaching and back to working. So mm-hmm. and hopefully we're going to MC at the Possum um, in. Mid June, so we've always emceed at different events, and yeah. we're looking forward to getting back to that as well. And so, sharing that story is also part of that being able to integrate back into the communities that we love being part of. With them oh, understanding and the, and the community that. loves you guys as well. Yeah. And we've it's um, athletes, yeah. what's that? We've met a few athletes on finish lines and start lines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but I, well, I, th- I think people love you like. Uh, Maybe some love you for your like athletic prowess, but I think most of it's your personality and your charm, which uh, hasn't Thanks, hasn't changed. No, I, so I met you, I think, for the first time at uh, Fitzyunga Marathon, right? Um, and you just uh, went for a leisurely what twenty one k? Just a half. Yeah, just a half. Just a little bitch half. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's a beautiful distance. I love the way that yeah. distance rolls out. I think the first kilometre, you're like, oh, this pace is hurting me. Second kilometre, you know, still not sure. By the fifth kilometre, you know, you settle into it. Yeah. I love this distance because by the tenth kilometre, you're like, I'm halfway through this, I might be able to do this. And mm. then you get to about 16 and 17 and you're like, uh-oh. And then you get to like 19 and 20 and you pretty much just close your eyes, grit your teeth and hang on to the end. I just love the way that the story of 21K rolls out. It's such a good distance to race. I, I, if I could race one distance over and over again, it would be 21Ks. Jeez, that's poetic. It's oh, poetic. No, no, no one, no one has never like described a half marathon to me quite like that. Intimately, I love, I love that distance. Yeah, it's, great yeah, it's a yeah. great distance. We've gone to the days of me holding three thirties through the gate. You know, like in three thirty k pace. Yeah, I used to be. I, I, not that it matters now; it's not relevant. But uh, I, I used to love the feeling of running fast. You know, that sensation of when you're on tarmac and you just push and you and you go. You're flying along. You're feeling good. You know, anything under, under fours is just. Um, feels like you're flying. I love mm. it. And I know I'll miss that, but, uh, you know, as a guy in his 40s, I was getting ready to, to miss it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I, I, I feel like that's enough, that's enough about the injury and where things are at. Um, we've got so much other stuff to talk about. First of all, I want to know how you guys met. How did you guys meet each other? You see, seven years <laughs> you've been together. Uh, well, I, mean, I mean, you're such an amazing couple, no, so I, I can't imagine going back eight years and seeing you two. Yeah, it's hard to imagine you two without each other. So there's a, there's a really neat event that they do in the National Park with the T42s, and uh, it's a total sport event, and Aaron and his team, really cool, really welcoming. Um, they throw a massive party at the Park Lodge in National Park, and so I was there that Saturday night, and um, uh, and I just bumped into this, this girl on the uh, on the dance floor, and she said, hey, where are you going? And um, anyway, uh, one thing led to another, and we got chatting, and um, she said, uh, you know, what's your name? And I said... I think you should know I'm quite a big deal, and uh, <laughs> just tongue in cheek, right? Look at the top of the results list. I said that on the on the wall over there are all the results. I think you'll find my names right at the top of the list, and um, so she loved that, and she started chipping away at me. So the first thing she did was um, look at someone on a high horse and think about uh, how she could bring them down to ground. And after about ten minutes of her making fun of me, I realised how much wit she had and intellect that goes with it, and. Uh, I needed to reverse the conversation and start an introduction and get to know her better. So is that a fair description of how we met? Yeah, pretty much. We, yeah, we kind of ended up, I, it was just like this 
yeah, really great connection. And we sat down and talked for a couple of hours, I think, and then um, just kind of just bonded over touch. over both being sarcastic, yeah, yeah. cheeky <laughs> fucks, yeah, pretty much Basically. exactly that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. also love for for the outdoors, yeah, and being yeah. active and exploring. So we talked like at that stage, I was doing a lot of tramping, and we talked about tramping and you know um, how much we just loved you know staying in huts and being in the hills and the mountains. Was it love at, love at first sight? Do you think? Was yeah, I think like, so. yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because we like we I couldn't stop. We could like we were just chatting for hours that night, and um, I think it's pretty rare you don't just sort of meet someone and then feel like you really need to chat to them for hours. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was really just off the off the back of her making fun of me for a while that <laughs> that I really enjoyed her. Uh, and then nothing's changed, actually, has it? You just no. you still do that, don't you? Yeah, we yeah. do. Well, yeah, you make fun of me as well. Oh, as much as I can. Maybe it's one of our love languages. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It is. It is a love language, I think. Yeah. Not an official one, but no, the, yeah. the eighth love language. Yeah. So Kerry's the one that had the accident, and he's in the chair. But it's um, it's got to be bloody tough for you as well. Like, oh, definitely. Like you're, I don't. I mean, I hate to use the, the word victim in front of you guys because I don't think you, either Stop. of you would ever have a, like a victim mentality. Oh no, no. Let's be clear. I had the accident, but I fucked her life too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how how are you doing, and how have you been? Um, it's been full on, to be honest. Yeah. Like, so so when Kerry after that phone call that Kerry said, you know, I've had an accident, I can't feel anything, and um, I just went straight around to where the ambulance was going to meet him at the forest, and then Reese called, and Reese was like, he he actually lost it, crying hysterically, just like you're going to. Who's Reese? Uh, one of our really good friends. Yeah. He, He's the current uh, men's champion of the Tarawera <laughs> Ultra Marathon. Yeah, that I coached. <laughs> it's like a little love triangle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so Reese was with Kerry for the accident. He actually is also the builder that renovated our house the last year and a half. So, and he also did the um, three peaks run with Kerry. So, oh, the weekend before. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay. Yeah, really good friend. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was just hysterically crying, saying, "You're going to probably go in the um, the rescue helicopter to Auckland." with Kerry and so I was just kind of like crikey like I've what have I got on me that I can go um take a, to Auckland a yeah a wetsuit <laughs> an oversized wetsuit your wetsuit yeah <laughs> and um yeah met him in the ambulance and that was pretty shocking like to see they they have an outline of a human and they just had a line from like straight across his shoulders sort of thing like which I guess obviously indicates that he was paralyzed from there down mm. And, and seeing his colour and his temperature and kind of disorientation, and that was quite um, confronting. And then you just end up in Auckland going, like, it's like being picked up by a tornado, and then, like, things are whirling all around you, and you're just going, how the hell have I got here? Like, what is happening? I'm trying to make sense of it all. And that's, yeah, and so basically... Moved to Auckland, um, friends brought up our vehicle and clothes for me and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and then just been, yeah, with Kerry every day since, just, you know, trying to meet his needs and be there and support him and also run our businesses and... Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, superwoman. Yeah, grow a tiny human. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. Yeah, you're, yeah, You're having yeah. some downtime, you're, t- you're taking care of yourself. Not really. I no. I just try and like you know like everyone says look after yourself. Yeah. But 
there isn't that space. Like, I mean, that you have to try and you just try and do what you can do to look after yourself. So it's basically trying to eat decent food, drink, get whatever sleep you can, and and just you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like shelter, food, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I figure, yeah, there'll be more more um, recreation time in the future, but not right now. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, you got a good one, didn't you? Yeah, I'm very lucky, but um, <laughs> hands off, Tom. <laughs> so, so after the accident, a given little page was set up, and um, the, uh, uh, I think this is remarkable. It says a lot about you guys as people. Last time I checked, it was something like 125,000, which is a lot, lot of money. But the thing that got me, it's that it was donated by 1,420 people. So it was not, not someone coming in with a big lump sum. It was like a whole lot of little donations. That's a, that's a lot of people who obviously have... Um, some sort of connection or some sort of feeling towards you guys, which is hugely humbling. We were really blown away by it. You know, when Ali came and saw me in ICU, she said, um, you know, there's $27,000 on a given little page. And I was like, how have we influenced that many people's lives? You know, like, if you think about, Dom, that all the passing interactions you've had with other humans, are enough of them positive that um, that person would go, oh, Dom, I, I remember Dom, I'd like to do something to help him out. We're talking thousands of people that we've yeah. been in contact I didn't even know that was possible. You know, we, through our business, we have obviously a lot of interactions with people, many thousands of, of athletes that we've coached in the last six years, but um, you think you're just a small cog in the system, you know? Like, you stand on a finish line, you cheer athletes in, um, you know, you help athletes achieve their, um, you know, their running goals or those sorts of things, but you never really think, you know, we, we've treated them like humans and as friends and, you know, with kindness and, and with love and compassion, but you never expect it to come back, Um and, and, you know, you mentioned that, give a little, that's just the New Zealand one. We've got one in Australia as well. And, um, again, the outpouring of support there has been overwhelming. Watching videos of people, you know, raise money. They did a, a virtual event a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, everyone got out and they, they ran, they went and got groups to, of, of people together and they ran and, you know, to support us. And uh, it's, I don't even know where to begin with it. You know, you think... Even if you think about, imagine your own funeral. People do. Someone's reading a eulogy. How many people in the room? Is it thousands? Dom, do you think there's thousands of people want to see you off? I can't believe how no. many people have supported us. Yeah. Um, I'm getting money out of people, it's a hard oh. thing as well. So, no, it really is. It's one of the hard... Like, it's easy to write a comment on Facebook, like, oh, Kerry, get well soon. But to take that next step and donate money to someone and that never, you've had a brush with... We never asked for it either, yeah. you know? Like, um, it's, it's not we didn't set it up. Some one of our athletes did, and and you know, like uh, maybe a small post somewhere. I, I don't really know, but, but um, when they they said that they wanted to start one, and I was like, no, no, just donate money to the first response in the forest. They helped carry or Westpac rescue helicopter or something like that. Like we don't need it, um, but then in hindsight, it's been amazing because there is, you know, like there is support via um, ACC and the DHBs and stuff, but. Like, I've probably spent over 10000 on accommodation, and that is hopefully mm. going to be reimbursed, but it hasn't yet. And also, like, new clothing for Kerry, because you, you can't wear things with pockets underneath, like, it could, could cause a pressure sore. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't think of anything and like that. footwear, you go up a size in your footwear. Wait, you go up a size in your yeah, footwear? Why? Yeah, because of, you know, blood pooling and the potential I, for pressure sores. I can't move my feet, so now the blood comes back. Everything pulls down there. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the other downsides to the injury is um, 
I'm always freezing cold now. So even, you know, you're in a T-shirt, I'm in two layers, and I'm considering a third. Um, but some people so, have the opposite. So, so your nervous system controls all of these things, and that's right. being disrupted. So, um, yes, people with spinal cords present a lot, injuries present in a lot of different ways. And for Kerry, he was freezing. So I've gone out and bought puffer jackets and blankets and, you know, beanies and even a snood, much to my disgust. A what? <laughs> a snood. I love my snood. <laughs> What's it's, a like s- a, it's like a, a scarf tube. Well, it sounds it sounds so, cosy. It, yeah, d- it doesn't look cozy. great for a man. I'm very happy when you see me in a snood yeah. and a woolen beanie that's uh, in the middle of the uh, Auckland sun. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's warm here today. Yeah, 22 or 23, and he's rugged up like he's in Antarctica. So, I mean, is that money going to go far? What do you do with it? You build a ramp at home, or is that paid for? Our um, The rehab that I have to do out of here... Um, not a lot of it's really supported by ACC. They do, obviously, bits and pieces with physios and the like, but, um, you know, to see a neurophysio and, and get hooked up to uh, machines that might actually help me get some of my muscles back. Um, we're talking $4,000 a month, so... Um, yeah, potentially, depending where we go. So we want to... Yeah. And, and, you know, like, technology evolves all the time, and having that money available will mean that we can just go, yeah, we want to give this a crack while we can, so... Um, that is that is yeah really good. and I mean there's lots of earnings as well for, like on on my behalf and ACC pay eighty percent of Kerry's salary which is amazing. So how long do you how yeah. long do you get the eighty percent for? My earning life. Unless yeah. unless he changes his workload, like you know right. maybe so there is we didn't talk about that really before, but there is potential for sur- surgeries for Kerry, so nerve transfer surgery because there's two. So when you if you hold your fist out in front of you and then you rotate it so that your palm is facing up, yep. there are two nerves that control that movement. And they can take the one from the inside, move it to the the you know the top of your arm, and then that will create an open and close of the fingers. So you could end up with a you know a clench grasp. Right. Um, Masturbation. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking pretty good, eh? <laughs> 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 That four inches won't be lonely for long, Dom. <laughs> Is he exaggerating again? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Geez, we live in a good country, don't we? like to have the health care that we've got and the support systems in place that we've got. We're, yeah, the we're, surgery yeah. that we get is amazing, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So I can potentially get some other surgery. With, I call Troy's surgery where they move a, um, a muscle from my shoulder and it'll do the job of my triceps a little bit. So um, I won't punch myself in the face when I've got to scratch my nose or, or anything like that. So. Yeah. yeah, have you found like for you two being um, being like ultra athletes and being super fit, and I suppose having that runner's mentality where you put one foot in front of the the other is um, has that sort of helped? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. So you've run you've run marathons, obviously, yeah, yeah. and you know what it's like at thirty five kilometers when you're like, this is a bad place to be. This is the hardest bit. Um, that's where I live, you know. So um, for any, at, the, at the moment, oh, that's where oh, that's where I exist forever. Right. There's kind of like there's no because there's no way out of this. This is the worst that it could be, right? So it's not that early part of the race where you're feeling great, and the body's moving fine, and you you think the PB's today. Um, and it's not that bit when you're near the finish line and you realise, you know, I'm going to make it. This is great. You know, I'm going to get there. I'm stuck in the shit bit. So um, I'm in a giant turd pile with a tiny shovel, and um, and I've got <laughs> I've got nothing. There's nothing you can do but smile about it, right? Attitude's the only thing you've got. So. You know, in those spots when you are suffering the most, you know, the best thing that you can do is go calm yourself, be centred and realise that you've done the work and um, 
you know, you've, you've got to have a, a good positive outlook, you know, otherwise you're going to derail your race, you slow down, you lose momentum, um, and that PB will sneak away. So, yeah, I think running has really set me up well for this. Um, this is an ultra marathon that, you know, I'm in that, um, for those that have run Tarawera 100k, I'm stuck on West Nukataina <laughs> in, in the middle of the night spewing in the bushes, and, um, and it's never going to get any better than that, so... Yeah. yeah, it's the middle of the night and you're spewing in the bush, but you're still doing it with a smile on your face. That's all you can do, and, and ultra runners know that. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's right. You're laughing whilst you're having this terrible experience. You know, you never chafed so bad in your life. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, well, I'm starting to not dress up ultra marathon very well, but uh, <laughs> come try it out. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. So, um, so let, let's talk about squad run. So you guys, you guys met, you got together, and then um, when was some um, squad run born? Pretty much in that moment, you know, it was. Um, uh, so I, what, were you, what were you doing before that? I was a, a network security analyst, so um, I would I work on uh, big international clients to uh, keep the bad guys out. Um, so uh, that was fun, and it was a, a long-standing IT career, and it, it paid very well, but it had a very beige existence. You know, right? It wasn't very fulfilling, so. Um, I think Squadron started. I, I figured I, I figured out a system for coaching a scalable method of supporting athletes for, without charging them too much money, and um, and I, I put it to the Tarawera group, and uh, a lot of athletes immediately jumped on board. And I realised that you know I had something here. I had a way of helping lots of people, and that's I think the, the founding thought behind Squadron is how I, how can I help more people? Because most running coaches you know, are in the laborious task of, you know, ha- helping a handful of, of, of privately coached athletes. And, um, you know, you can handle 20, maybe 30 of those athletes before yeah. the book's full. And I was like, that's not acceptable. There are more people than that that need support, and I must find a way to do it. Um, and so Squadron was born out of that. And um, that was six years ago, and uh, we sort of started working with some of the bigger events like Ultra Trail Australia and now Ultra Trail Kosciusko, uh, Queenstown Marathon, and just helping as many athletes as we can, and uh, it's been I think three to four thousand athletes we've worked with in the last six years, um, and and you know they're not just numbers to us. They, these people, you know, we know the name of their dogs. You know, they they're welcome in our homes. You know, they're friends, which is reflected in I guess that give a little, which yeah, you were talking yeah. about before. Um, you know, we're really committed in their lives. We're there at the finish lines of the major events. You know, even the events that we don't have heaps of athletes at, we want to be there um, and see people finish and have that experience. Um, and I don't know why other coaches aren't. You know, like you, you very rarely. I know running coaches. Why aren't they at events? That's payday. Mm. That's when you see your athlete do the thing. Forget the money they've paid you. See their smile on the finish line. Watch them cry when they achieve the thing that they didn't believe they could do. Only you did. Um, it's a special moment for us, and uh, I think you know, having had have helped thousands of people, it's been um, you know really special to be part of Squadron, and uh, you're definitely not going to let that go. And uh, you know, I want to get back on those tools as soon as possible. Mm. God, you have so much passion! You can just hear it. I'll, t- I'll tell you what a funny thing. I've 
I've had another guy on the podcast, um, Barry McGee, who won a bronze medal yeah, we know Barry. at the 90, 1960 yes. Rome Olympics. So he's, uh, he's in his late 80s now. Yep. Charges people something like oh, $5 a month, I think, <laughs> yep. to do their programs. And he, then he goes out and watches them race. And he gets, yep. he gets satisfaction out of it. Because it's like they're almost living vicariously, I guess, through his athletes. Yeah, absolutely. As an athlete myself, um, you know, I, I was competitive and I tried really hard and you know, I achieved lots of things. I won stuff. I set course records. You know, all of the stuff that, a, that an athlete could be really proud of and, you know, have all the trophies in the pool room. But um, weirdly, when I became a running coach, I realised that it wasn't just my success that mattered, it was other people's success. So rather than having that one moment where you cross the finish line, stop your watch and see what you've achieved, you can stand on that finish line and see what hundreds of people have achieved. Um, and you have those same, those same moments, that same sensation when, you know, you've gifted that to someone else. So... Um, you know, it's just it's it's way more rewarding to be a running coach in that scenario than mm. to be the athlete themselves. And so Barry is, you know, he epitomises that. And I, I know some of his athletes, and and they speak very highly of him. And that and that that nominal charge is just so you know you've got to have some skin in the game, right? The athlete's got to have some skin in the game, and the coach has got to have some skin in the yeah, game. So, yeah. So that's kind of why Squadron was sort of set up at that sort of you know very low price price point to help you know help athletes that wouldn't otherwise want to invest. Forty or fifty bucks a week in a private running coach. Yeah. Oh, how, how much is it? We we'll, we'll get some plugs like, in here no. for Squadron. Oh, I know what we like. Fifteen bucks. Yeah, fifteen dollars plus GST. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Per, per week. Per week. Yeah, per week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so we'll give them a tailored running program, and it's unique to them and specific yep. to the event, and uh, we provide all the support for it. So you know, obviously, with coaching, you know, people think it's a running plan, and that's that's all that that coaching is. But it's so much more than that because you know the athletes need to know you know when you talk about trail and ultra, they need to know all the details about you know, your fueling and hydration and uh, understanding the course and executing a good run. Mm. Um, you know, there's a psychology of it that really matters. It's all the little things that go with it as well. It's the whole holistic thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've written some great articles online. There's actually one, one, one that you wrote about a year ago about, um, yeah, mindset. Yes. And it's like, I thought, that it's so applicable to the situation you're in now. Like, it's transferable. Yeah, the, um, there's a fascinating meta-analysis of a lot of the um, research they do on... Uh, the psychology of running, mm. the, um, I think it's a psychological determinants of whole body endurance performance, and um, and in that they break down many of the, the different research papers that have been done on um, the psychology of endurance athletes, and and it is absolutely applicable to this situation. There are three key things that came from it, and one of them is to have a mantra, right? To, to to be able to repeat yourself. In this situation, I say, what can I do today? What is it I can do today? So how can I progress with my purpose? So what is it I can do today? And my brother gave me that mantra. And that helped. Um, there's um, uh, positive imagery, right? So um, surrounding yourself with, you know, um, just simply a smiling face on the side of a, a, a marathon course uh, will cheer you up. You know, someone cheering you on makes a difference. You know, if I put you on a treadmill, told you to run as fast as you could, you would actually run faster if there were people cheering you on. If I revealed a curtain and there was all your family and friends in a small grandstand cheering you on, you could go harder and faster. Um, and so we know that. So... Um, Again, having that positive imagery around you, having obviously people like Ali, but even photos on the wall um, of family and friends. So that positive imagery is really important as well. Um, and the other one is goal setting. So um, athletes need to be able to set goals, and not just major goals like I want to break 120 for a half marathon. Um, it could be um, I want to run strong to the next aid station, right? So I'm going to think about my form and body position and you know, like all the things that I know are important, my cadence and uh, my breathing or whatever it might be. Um, and so you set that small goal, you reach that aid station, and you go, I achieved that goal. I got some success from that. I feel good. Now I set a new goal. I'm going to run well to the top of that hill up there. 
So even just goal setting at that level is really right, useful. Right. And you can see how that's obviously transferable <laughs> to my current situation as well. What is it I can do in the gym? Um, can I do 45 minutes on the upper limb cycle? You know, like, can I spend an hour in my manual chair today? You know, like, those sorts of goals. So you break your life down into setting goals and achieving them the same way a squirrel mm. gathers nuts for the winter. It's one little nut at a time, and you set those goals and you can achieve great things. It ends up being hundreds of nuts stored for the winter. Oh, there's so many good takeaways here. Everyone deals with, with, with their own degree of shit at some point in their life. Like, most people won't deal with the degree of shit that you're dealing with right now. But so many good takeaways from this. So many things that any person can apply to their own life. Yeah, look, I don't want to discredit depression. Uh, we have a major problem with teen suicide and, and mental health in New Zealand. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people, everyone's going through something or has mm. been through something. But, um, look, if you've had a tough day on social media and, um, uh, and you know, things aren't going so great for you and the, the black dogs come to visit, please frame your depression with what I'm going through. You know, look, what other people are going through is because it might just help to understand that everyone's going through something and... and Many people are going through something worse than you. Yeah, well, the funny thing is you mentioned Brad. Um, he was a, a wakeboarder that had a, an accident and landed on a ramp about seven years ago. He would give anything to have the arm movement that you've got. Totally. He would look at you with so much envy. Yeah. That's it's the a, thing. It's a tough, it's easy to do here. Comparison is a thief of joy, isn't it? Wouldn't you like 100%. to gather 70 minutes for a, for a half marathon or 65 minutes for a half marathon, right? You beat yourself up. Well, these days I do anything for a sub-130. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you try so hard and yeah. in general we succeed, but failure is part of the process, Dom, you know. You failed the first time you tried to walk, you know. You, you failed at talking for many years. You failed the first time you tried to ride your bike, you know. Like, I failed the first time I tried to ride my bike and the last time I tried to ride my, ride my bike, which is rather ironic, but, <laughs> but failing. <laughs> failure is part of the process, right? And, uh, you know... Uh, you have to be okay with that. That's that's important part of it, you know. And and seeing and, and not being able, not comparing yourself to others. I look in the gym here, and there's people that are standing up and walking around, and you know I'm really happy with them. But fuck, it annoys me to see their, you know, their success when I I know that's not for me. That'll never be me. So um, uh, there's that. Be happy with who you are and achieve what you can. For a fat IT guy, I did an incredible job of you know cobbling together a running career and then learning a lot about running and... Did you say a fat IT guy? Were you ever fat? I was a portly... Right. He says he, was, he wasn't that fat, Tom. No. By my own measure, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he was about, what, like 80 or 90 kilos. What, 25 kilos less now? So. Yeah. When are, you, when are you writing a book? Has anyone approached oh, you yet? You've, um, no, I don't... You, you, yeah. you've, you, you've got some... What? You know, this has been really... Actually, this has been really liberating for my ego. But even previously... <laughs> um, you know, uh, I didn't. I never was in a situation where I felt like um, I'm okay with my own mortality. I've got a story to tell, but um, no one needs to hear it. Life is um, life's full of far more interesting people than me. Uh, uh, this is no. I don't know. By no measure would I like to. Uh, I don't like being in a spotlight as much. I make a lot of noise. I can hold a microphone and talk in front of thousands of people. Dom, you're probably familiar with this, but mm. actually, you, you actually don't necessarily always want to be the centre of attention. No. And life doesn't have to be about you. Okay. No, but I, f- I feel like um, your your story and your perspective and your outlook it could um, be helpful to other people. So not just a not just like a an ego boost thing. I'm carrying this is my story, but it's like just the way that you frame things. It could be so helpful to other people. I would actually like to see him. Like um, probably a month or so ago, I said to some friends, I'd really like to see Kerry go into schools um, and talk to kids. Because I think there's a lot of learning to be had in our community about spinal cord injuries mm. and also, you know, mindset and um, 
how to successfully land a good jump on a mountain bike. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you're not the guy for that. So. Yeah, you're not that guy. <laughs> I succeeded sometimes before I failed as well. So. Yeah. 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 I, look, I like helping people, but, um, you know, really, uh, my focus is on um, how do I help uh, ordinary people achieve, um, real people achieve extraordinary things. Um, this is one of the cool things about, you know, running is it's not an exclusive sport. You know, we welcome everyone. Yes. And uh, particularly in trail running, it's like incredibly welcoming, you know. Uh, and Squadron was never built around how do we help the top 10% of people. It's we help, you know, the 80% of the people. Well, you thought it was going to be. So Kerry thought that he'd have, you know, like all the all the people that took their shit super seriously paying him for running coaching. And it ended up being people like me that are just, you know, like mid-pack, want to know how to do it right um, and get support. Um, so, I mean, we coach the whole spectrum, right? Like we've coached the winner to probably the very last finisher. Um, and that was, I think, a bit of a shock for you, right, when we started was, but these people, you know, oh, signed so up for 100Ks yeah. and they're, they're currently running 5 to 10Ks. Like how the heck are we going to get them there? Mm. Um, but... And that, but that's also where the beauty is, you know, like seeing these people that have such huge progressions or that have a lot of, you know, just normal real lives doing these really cool yeah. things and being there to share that moment at the finish line is, is really special. You just see that rawness and emotion yeah. and know their story and it's a re- really big reward. God, you, you guys both really do care, don't you? If someone's listening to this that's like a non-runner that is maybe like contemplating doing their first half or 10K or whatever, um, would Squad Run be for them? Start by building some foundation, I think. Before, yeah. you, before you take on a running program, just, uh, you know, t- you, you want to know you can paddle out before you swim. Um, so running, I started, I couldn't run 2Ks. Um, and uh, and that, that was really the, the goal, was to see if I could get up to running 2Ks at a time. And then I sort of set myself to a goal to try and do it for 100 days. And then at the end of that, um, you know, a little bit of fitness came on. So um, I would say if you if you aren't a runner and you're considering, you know, what you'd love to be a runner is get out, you know, just fi- find the, the old lawn mowing shoe to start with and, and get out there. And, and it doesn't have to be a run. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be walking breaks. It can be yeah, mostly yeah. walking. It can be periods of jogging. But don't set the goal too high. You know, the 2K hood run around the block is – is all that it takes to get going. Um, it takes patience and consistency. It doesn't take natural talent. I would, I, I would hate to see um, people think that they aren't able to do something because they don't have the right genes for it, or they're maybe too heavy, or mm. they're worried what other people are going to think. Um, you know, there's two there's two types of people that see you running. There's there's runners that see you running, no matter who you are, running awkwardly down the road. And they're supportive and they're like, look at that person running. They're doing a great job. And then there's those other people that don't think kindly of you. And you know what? Go fuck those people. They're not, they're, <laughs> they're not there to support you. Who cares, right? I sort of think, because um, a lot of people are very self-conscious, whether it's going to the gym yeah. or whether it's running, and you worry about what other people think. When you realise that every single person to a degree is worried about what everyone thinks and you realise they're just thinking about themselves and they're not actually thinking about you all that much, you can just get on with things. Yeah. But uh, I do agree with what you're saying. The people that those that small portion of people that do think unkindly or say mean things, yeah, fuck them. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, who cares what they think. They're not a part of your life. Yeah, they're not to you. you're out there doing it. That's right. And it's the same. Look, I'm in a chair and I'm in a powered chair. And you can. I'm sorry, listeners. This is a large bit of machinery that I can operate with um, with my wrist, basically. And uh, it looks ungainly. It's not. I'm not disabled like an ordinary manual wheelchair. I'm in sort of 
you know, some big, it's a big black, heavy battery powered machine. And um, I look disabled, you know, like this is, this is serious. Um, and, and I take it out in public and uh, do I care what other people think of when they see this thing? No, I don't. I choose not to let that get to me. If I felt like that, I'd never go outside. So um, I'm just not going to let it, I'm going to let other people's opinion of me hold mm. me back. And it shouldn't, no matter what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, with, with you, when, when you approach people, I suppose they'll, they'll notice the chair first. But then as soon as you open your mouth and speak, your personality is big enough that you sort of forget about the chair. The chair becomes invisible. And I realised that was the only time I felt, you know, I feel really normal is when I'm just in conversation with mm. someone else, when they realise that I'm still the same human being. Yeah. And, we have the same chats, we ca- you know, when I've been able to catch up with mates, yeah, there's nothing. When I'm online, on Discord or whatever, chatting to friends, um, you know, I'm still the same person, I'm still yeah. the same voice, still the same sense of humour, still the same dickbag that I was before. <laughs> but with, this is one thing that I've learned actually, is that people that have had a disability forced upon them are the, probably the most bravest and resilient and determined people that you'll meet. So How do you mean? Just because they've had to be? Yeah, they've had to be. They've got through bloody most shit situation that you can probably think of and they've shown up day after day giving it their best and somehow managed to carry on living their lives and like when you see them you should just go man that person Mm. must be freaking tough to be living their life in that situation sorry if i made it look easy this is fucking hard Mm. this is really hard Mm. you do make it look easy I mean, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm here with you. The, I suppose the, the admin of the morning's done. Like, you've had your bowels cleared. Yes. You've had someone dress you. Yeah. You're wearing a, a cool pair of wool allbirds. <laughs> you've got an ultramarathon hat on. Yep, you just look like a cool dude in a chair. But yeah. I, 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 I haven't seen the hard work or the hours that it took this morning to get to, get to this point. Yeah, it's two hours to get, uh, to get ready in the morning, two to three hours. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and, probably, and a frustrating reliance on other people, like... Here he is, you know, he's always kind of run off his own steam um, and, you know, just wanted to be in charge of his own life. And so that's been a real hard pill to swallow as well, going, you know, like I I need people to help me each day and I'm reliant on them and their time frames. Yeah, actually, um, Brad Smaler, the wakeboarder, he said a similar thing to me because he's an A-type personality you know, perfectionist, like things done a certain way, and now he's got these um, caregivers who he, he described as being woefully underpaid, and <laughs> they, can't, they can't always get things done the, the meticulous way he likes them done. Are you going to be okay with that? Oh, yeah, if you want to see frustration, you, um, you give someone with ADD a spinal cord injury because, uh, yeah, Brad's probably a lot like me. He's very jittery and wants to do things all the time, so um, yeah, your inability to do things is really frustrating. You know, look, shit, I've got arms but no hands, right, yeah. so... I can't actually do anything, and I describe, uh, Ali doesn't like it, I describe it as sort of like a ghost, you know. If you've imagined what it's like to be a ghost, you could be in a room and you can interact, but you can't, you, you can't actually physically do anything. And, uh, you know, I just I sit in a chair and I, I think about how great it would be if I could put a T-shirt on or, or take a T-shirt off, you know, like I put my shoes on or off or, you know, pull a weed or do anything. I can't interact with the world in any way. I can't operate a TV remote, you know, like, um, you know, I, I exist, but I, you know, I can talk, but I can't do much else. So. Yeah, and but that's that interaction is actually what's so vital. Like if you see Kerry in the dining room here, he's holding court with the other guys and you know entertaining them and also cheering them on and sharing the highs and the lows. And so he still has a lot of power, but it's just not such yeah. a physical power anymore. Why don't you like the um, description where he calls himself a ghost? 
Um, because he'll say things like, I have no hands or I have no legs. And I'm like, you still have hands and legs. Like, I feel like he still needs to really um, appreciate and recognize that those parts of his body because they've given him so much over the years and keep that, you know, the thought and connection there just in case we can get whatever we can back. So I just think, you know, there's, there is potential for neuroplasticity and the power of the mind and keeping engaged with them mm. rather than kind of becoming disenfranchised to this part of your body that's not cooperating how you want it to. Oh, no, he's just wiping his eyes. You all right? Have you had a day so far that you've been in here that you haven't cried? Oh, good question. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, most days I think I get through. Um, some days are hard. It's just you don't, you don't know why. You know, like that's the human condition, isn't it? Some days you wake up and, you know, you just... For some reason, you're halfway through a shit sandwich and you don't know why. Mm. So, uh, no, most days I'm pretty good if I can, you know, think about... Uh, no, it's the other way around, actually. I think it's... Uh, the bad thoughts are like leaves in a stream, you know? Like, you think about one shit thing, like, oh, I can't even roll over in bed. And then you think about another shit thing, it's like, oh, I would like to do something about the heat pump in here, but I can't push a button, you know? Mm. Um, and you think about how depressing it might be that I can't, you know, I'm going to have a baby, but I can't hold it, you know? If you let all of those leaves build up, you'll block the stream. And then when you get that, that situation, you cause a flood. And, that, and that's when you have it, that you're stuck in a, in, a, in, a, in a negative loop there. So um, I think I, I try to acknowledge that there's a bad thought, um, but don't chase it and don't add to it. Um, and then you know, immediately try and pivot to finding some positive you know, outlook, like what can I do today and what have I got coming up today and uh, you know, what's the progress, what's my purpose, where will I be in two years' time, those sorts of things. So... Finding finding the, the positive approach to, to to not focus on the bad thoughts. Have you been seeing a therapist or anyone? They provide them here, but yeah. actually last few times I've said, we're good. If you want to talk about tying shoelaces, um, I can help. <laughs> yeah. um, have, have you ever seen a therapist in your life? Not prior to right. being here, no. It's quite funny because like some of the stuff you... I've seen therapists over the years and it's like some of the stuff that you were saying, it's like you just instinctively know it and that's um, stuff you've been taught. Like a, a therapist said to me, if you find yourself having negative thoughts or bad thoughts, you know, catch yourself and say, is this helpful? And then if it's not, then flush it away. Yeah. It's, like, it's almost like you just instinctively know this stuff, which is why you've got to write that book. Oh, I think probably all the survivors, all the people out there that, that don't suffer with mental health must mm. have ways that they don't, you know, choose not to. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny, I, I never really, um, I understood a lot of people did suffer mental health prior to this and, uh, you know, I appreciate the problems that they're going through and, and really feel for them, but uh, realise at the same time, you know, you have that little voice in the back of your mind, I'm like, why don't you just choose to be happy? And, and you know, which shows a compl- that shows a complete lack of, of understanding of the scenario because yeah. that's always been my way out of it. It's like, I just, well, I just choose to be happy. But maybe I'm just too, <laughs> I'm too dumb, and, and that I don't that I don't get caught up on those uh, things. I don't I don't know. No, no, I, I don't know. Like I, th- I think there are there are people that have um, like clinical depression, and there's like yeah. a, an imbalance in their brain that needs um, medication to help. But for I mean, for everyone else, um, you know, there's physical health and there's mental health, and uh, you you got to do everything you can for your own mental health. Like if if you're feeling bad, like drink more water or eat better oh, food or yeah. get more sleep or. Cut back on the alcohol, but like, do everything you can. Prioritise that shit. And then if it's still no good, then go and see a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was lucky to have, well, as I said, we're lucky to have um, really good um, psychological support here, um, which obviously is very well needed. Uh, and I see a lot of the patients really 
really required and really uh, get a lot out of it. Um, and I certainly did in the first few weeks. And uh, you know, I remember just balling for you know an hour at a time. So that that, that balling for an hour at a time was that just like I suppose like mourning. Yeah, it's grieving. Yeah, like absolutely. Grieving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a loss of a life. You know, I miss my old life. I had a perfect existence. I felt like I was. You know, we would coach for ten to twelve hours a day, but you know, um, sometimes. And uh, <laughs> what is it? Uh, more than that? Less it, than that? It used to be. It used to be diabolical. We used to let the work really inundate us, and we would often be coaching until ten p.m. at night, close the laptop, and go to bed. But um, my life was, I would say. Perfect. I, I never felt like I needed to change anything. So I felt like at 44 I'd finally arrived and uh, and then I guess some greater power decided that uh, I needed to change direction in a serious way and learn something else about life. So uh, Yeah, Kerry had been worried, Dom, like before with the pregnancy that this baby was going to mess up our life, that it was just a major change. <laughs> and um, the irony of He's it... He's grimacing now. Yeah, the irony uh, of it is... It's quite, um, yeah, yeah. We've got some compounding issues here. It's uh, cumulatively uh, difficult now. Are you going to get enough of um, an, an adrenaline kick out of um, yeah, coaching people and then seeing them yeah, smash their goals or see them at the finish line? Is that going to be enough of an adrenaline kick for you? Yeah, moving forward? yeah I'll need to find my own outlet as well. Yeah. So in, 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 on top of obviously the coaching, I'm going, to need, I'm going to need my own thing, whatever that is, mm. and I haven't worked out what that is yet. I... Uh, I don't know whether I'm going to try wheelchair rugby or, you know, recumbent cycles or, um, you know, I'm going to need some sort of, you know, physical outlet to de-stress as well. So uh, we'll have to work out what that's going to be. Yeah, he's always had a sense of movement and adventure. And I think, you know, like in this situation, he can still have that. And I think I made the physios and doctors' eyes boggle when I said, Kerry's always been an athlete. I expect that to continue because <laughs> they were mm. kind of like, oh, wow, you know, but... It's true. Like I expect that he'll find a way to to still be out there moving and to be engaging with nature. It will be in a different way yeah. to what it was. Um, Mountain tops will be a bit harder now, but oh, yeah. um, I still think that yeah, whether it's you know adapted kayaking or adapted biking or something like that, maybe learning to swim again. We'll see. We'll find out. But I. Don't doubt for a second that he's just going to sit there doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I fully, fully agree. It's just not you. No, I've just, just got to find a way. It's good. It's kind of been hard, Dom, watching the muscle atrophy as well. You know, like going through this process, just seeing you know legs that have worked for twenty years just sort of slowly melt away. And uh, has that happened already? Yeah. Oh, gone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very fast. Just, have, what, so with three months. Oh, easily gone. Well and truly gone in that time. So about I've come down about what is it ten percent of my body weight again. Um, and um, I thought this might be a, might be a, I don't know if this is a dumb question or a sensitive question, but um, when you dream, are you are you still able? Great question. Is it? Yeah. This is a great question. So I, I still dream that I can walk, but I know that I'm you know I know that I'm not a walker. So in the dream, I you know like I'll get up and I will walk around the place, and it was like oh, it's so great you're walking, and I'm like yeah, I really shouldn't be because I'm disabled. Um, so I still dream in walking, which is kind of weird, but I know mm. it's uh, I know I shouldn't. Yeah, that was quite a weird thing for me. Oh God, you're gonna make me cry. Um, was like going, when does it change? Because like in my dreams, he was moving, and then I think maybe a couple of weeks, then I had a dream that he was like lying in a bed and he couldn't go into a room because of the COVID risk. So he was outside on this bed with a mask, and I was like, oh, this is maybe this is the start of me accepting this situation. 
and now I think he is, I don't know what he is in my dreams now, I think it is, you know, his disability is there, um, but it did, like, there were some quite confronting dreams that you'd wake up from and just be like, oh, brutal. Oh, you're both such an amazing couple. You really are. I'm so pleased you've got each other. Yeah. God, you got me crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a shit thing you're going through, but, you know, if anyone can handle it, I reckon you can, mate. Yeah, that's, that's, a lot of people have said that. Mm. It's almost like it's good that it happened to me, right? It is. I couldn't have handled it, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. You just would. You say, yeah. you say you couldn't handle it, but I suppose if you're in that situation, it's like, well, there's two options, eh? Just handle it or take the other way out. Yeah. I have to, a lot to come to terms with. I've lost decades off my life. You know, like I want, I'm 44 now, and I'm going to have a baby. How old would that baby be when I'm not? I don't know what to say. I suppose you just make as much of an impact while you while you can, and um, and I know you, I know you will. But you can be an incredible dad. Yeah, right. like however many years there are. It's, it's, you, you know, I mean, and, nobody uh, knows that too. Like nobody knows how many years they have on this planet, yeah. and it's just going right. You know, like. Nothing is guaranteed. We've found that out the hard way is that, you know, you think you have your life planned out and it's it's not. You can get thrown a massive curveball. So it's just going, you know, that old cliche of taking each day as it comes and making yeah. the most of it and, and bringing that love and laughter to your days and that focus and purpose and passion as well. Yeah. That's what we've got in leaps and bounds and that's what we have filled our days with and we'll continue to fill our days with it. Just, um, yeah, kind of riding out the storm as best we can, eh? Well, mine's an injury that moves me back towards life, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and if things things were different, you, you may have never got to meet your daughter. That's right, yeah. Well, I, I'm right. hoping it's a son, Dom. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, why am I assuming? Did you say it was a daughter? No. He's no. got two daughters oh, already. I have, yeah. which I love very much. Well, how, how, old are you, how old are you girls? Ten and twelve, Yeah, um, and they're great kids. They are um, they're very, you know, um, smart and... Uh, Loving and caring, and uh, you know they're going through this as well. This is hard for them. Um, they've been up a few times to visit, and uh, it's, it's you know obviously great to see them and spend time with them. So you know they're a big focus in my future as well. And uh, you know how can I continue to you know be their dad as well? Nothing changes there. I think if you're a father, you just want to just want to dad as hard as you can. And I'll have a lot of time to throw at being a dad, which is yeah. what many dads have. Well, you're um you're a, you're a fully sent guy. It's just how you've lived your life, and uh, <laughs> obviously it didn't always work out for the best. Um, but I'm sure that's um that's how you parent as well. And um yeah, your girls are lucky to have you, and uh, the 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 unborn one as well that's on the way. When's the due date? The twelfth of October. Twelfth of October. Yeah. yeah. Listen, however many years you've got left, Kerry, and hopefully it's hopefully it's plenty. Um, I'm sure you're going to make a real impact on um on that baby's life. And hopefully some other people too. If I can help other people, I'm more than I love doing it. You yeah. Know, like well, well you, you already have, and you will continue to do so, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Squad Run. Um, well, yeah, what's the website? Squadrun.co.nz, or if you're in Australia, it's squad.run. Hey, what's well, been um, fabulous sitting down with you guys today at Where Are We Again, Ali? What's the thing? It's got a long name. <laughs> Auckland <laughs> Spinal Rehabilitation Unit, yeah. Yeah. Would not recommend visiting. Um, <laughs> Two stars. Yeah. <laughs> great people, great service, but don't do it. Yeah, you also, yeah. You watch right. those spinal injuries. They, uh, t- uh, 
uh, what would I say? Assess the risk would be now the uh, the MO. Uh, yeah, think about think about what you're doing, New Zealand. This isn't a glamorous existence. Having someone rummage around your bum every morning, <laughs> uh, try and avoid that at all costs. I've got some. I've, I've seen some porn where people pay big money for that. That's right. I can't understand. <laughs> people do this recreationally. I don't. I was so disappointed, Dom, when when we got to ED at Middlemore, and um, the nurse there was like, okay, I'm going to roll them over, I'm going to roll you over and put my finger in your bum hole. And I'm like, I haven't even been allowed to do that. <laughs> and now you're just letting every Tom, Dick and Harry bloody finger your bum. Not, 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 not a dick, just a Tom and Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, not a dick. <laughs> All right, I think that's a good note to end it on. Yeah. All right. Hey, um, thank you so much for your time today, guys, and um, best of luck for whatever the future may bring. Thank you. Thanks, Tom.